Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, June 28th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. 28th, and I am Broadway star's James Marino. Yeah, 28th. What did I did I get that wrong? No, no, no. You're you're right. I was I I was surprised. Okay, well, it's been a while since we've been together on a consistent yeah. basis, so it's nice to be back, James. Um, one thing real quick, at the end of this episode, I did a, a real quick interview with our friend Gene Fish. This is his uh, second year uh, here on Today on Broadway. Um, he runs the uh, New York New Work Theater Festival, um, a really kind of unique, cost-effective festival for people who are trying to get their plays and musicals and performance arts pieces seen uh, by producers and, and investors and industry professionals. So we had a nice uh, seven, eight minute chat, which will be at the end of the episode if you want to hear more about that. But their submission deadline is coming up on July 15th. So if you're interested in having your play submitted or musical submitted, uh, make sure you get that information at the end of the episode. And we'll have a link in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. Great. Uh, so the 15th, so you have uh, 15 plus 2, 17 days left. <laughs> Great. That's, that is why you are uh, able to do the new math with your kids, James, is that yes. quick mathematical thinking off the top of your head. Well, I had to raise to the nearest 100, then subtract. No, anyway. Right. <laughs> I have a calculator on my desk. That's all that matters. All right. First up in the news, A Bronx Tale is set to close hey. on Broadway in August. Say it ain't so, James. Uh, the biggest news yesterday came in the evening when Broadway production of A Bronx Tale announced that it would be closing up shop on Belmont Avenue in early August. After beginning previews on November 3rd of 2016, the show will have played 700 official performances in addition to 29 previews when it vacates the Long Acre Theater on August 5th. The show currently stars Chaz Palminteri on weekdays. While original star Nick Cordero is shooting a movie, he comes back on weekends. Paul Materi, of course, also wrote the one-man play and movie that preceded the musical. And then he wrote the book for the musical. So this is all up in Chaz's wheelhouse. Alan Menken and Glenn Slater wrote the score. And Jerry Zaks and Robert F. Trump De Niro co-directed the show. Now, James, <laughs> with the Bronx Tales closing, that means if I was able to keep track of everything while I was on vacation, Broadway has at least... Three theaters open in the fall, two Schubert houses, the Long Acre and the Lyceum, which is where uh, the play that goes wrong is currently finishing its run. And then the Nederlanders uh, Marquee, where Escape to Margaritaville will close this weekend. There are also, by my estimates and conservative estimates, they might be six-ish houses that could become vacant in time for another show to open before the end of the calendar year. I don't think that all six of them will, but some combination or none of them um, I could see happening, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So I would imagine that if an other, if another show or shows is going to close by Labor Day, we'll start to hear about it in the next few weeks, probably after the 4th of July, as they'll want to market and capitalize on the rush to see the show before it goes. But again, James, I feel like we're kind of in the same place we were last year where there are some shows that aren't doing so hot, but they're not doing bad enough that they f I, f I feel like they have to close before the end of the year because they might get a bump by the holidays because so many of them are family friendly as shows that could, you know, get a nice little addition to the bottom line the next time tourists come back after Labor Day. So you were off when we covered um, with the grosses. Uh, have you had a chance to look at last week's grosses? 
uh, yeah, I looked at him when I came out. I don't know him off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. for the most part, yeah. I, we had an extraordinarily large amount of shows that were over a million dollars last week, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which um, might put a wrinkle into into uh, a lot of theater owners' plans. But um, we'll have to see what happens here because when you're doing great numbers like that, it's it's hard to really kind of push a show out the door. I'm I'm looking at this right now. This is on the fly, James. So, mm-hmm. of the shows that were beneath or below one million dollars last week, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There was just twelve, and one of those was Head Over Heels, and that only played one preview performance. So, of those eleven, is that what I said? One, two, three, four, five of the eleven already have closing dates announced. So that means there are six Broadway productions that last week grossed under a million dollars that are still considered open-ended. That's Anastasia, Beautiful, Waitress, which went down over $220,000 because Kat McPhee left, but she's coming back. Then you've got Kinky Boots, Once on This Island, and Chicago, which is never going to close, so I don't even know why we mention it. So it's these musicals that are, aren't are doing terribly. Um, they're, you know, Once on This Island was almost at $687,000 and that's almost 87% of its gross potential in the very small, small circle in the square. And those range up to Anastasia, which is about 850 K. So I, I, I think out of that group, I'm not sure that any of them close. I could see kinky boots closing. I could see once on this Island closing, but I think they'll probably try to write it out after the Tony win. But I legitimately could see all of those shows sticking around in the fall and going up into the holidays. And then you get to the holidays. And if you do really well in the holidays, you say, well, maybe I can make it through the winter and get back to the tourist season in the spring and summer. So I, I just think that we're in a cycle here where it's very hard for shows that are coming in to count on a large number of theaters opening every year because what's the incentive for shows to close if they're still bringing in a decent enough money to make a little bit back every month. So, um, you know, it's interesting with the Bronx tale, they're going to go out on tour. So that is a financial reason to close because they can take the the costumes and send them out and maybe even the props and the, the sets, you know, so, but those other ones, they're already out. Once on this island isn't going out until the fall of 2019. So, I, I think it's um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if any of these do. The 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 one to keep an eye on is Head Over Heels. That just started, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. That one could be a real quick close um, at the Hudson, as could getting the band back together because that hasn't opened. Those are shows that I think are going to be tough sells opening at a really difficult time in the calendar. Um, They're not ideal. I don't think, despite the success of shows like Hamilton and some of the other ones we've seen recently, opening a show in the summer is not the way you normally want to do things. So maybe they could open and close quickly. But those other ones, James, I'm not I'm not expecting a lot of those other ones I mentioned to close anytime soon. Hmm. All right. Well, the last word here is I want to remind listeners that there's only 180 days to Christmas. <laughs> well done. Well All done. right. So uh, next up, more Wednesday breaking news. Yeah. These are things that I wanted to get at the top of the show. Um, the first was that Tony winner Rachel Bay Jones announced that she would be leaving the Broadway production of Dear Evan Hansen on the same day that A Bronx Tale closes on August 5th. No word on who will replace her, but usually with these kind of announcements, they tend to stagger them a few days apart. So either the person leaving or the person coming in doesn't overshadow the others. Uh, the other, So I would 
think that we'll find out who'll be playing playing Heidi Hansen before the holiday next week. But of course, Fourth of July just throws all the, everybody's calendars out of whack, especially because it's on a Wednesday this year. But I would imagine we'll find out who's going to play Heidi maybe even today or tomorrow, um, if not Monday or Tuesday. Um, but the other news that came out, James, that I want to talk to you about has me a little conflicted. And that is that uh, Manhattan Concert Productions announced that their latest big budget musical one night only production of a uh, concert production will be a Frank Wildhorn and Nan Knighton's The Scarlet Pimpernel at Lincoln Center's David Geffen Hall on February 18th of next year. Now, James, you know, I have been very open of my fondness for the show and how I am still to this day bum fuzzled that it didn't make Douglas Sills a huge, ginormous musical theater star. However, when this was announced, um, I started thinking that doing a production of this show, concert or otherwise, in 2018 does raise some questions. The plot revolves around a British lord who dons a mask to free people from the guillotine during the French Reign of Terror. But to dissuade people from thinking that he is the masked Scarlet Pimpernel, he begins to take on the persona of a rather flamboyant fop, which I would imagine in today's climate could come off as just more than a bit homophobic. That being said, it's a concert, so who knows how much of the book will be presented and which version of the show they're going to do anyway, one, two, three, or five, or whatever they have. So hopefully that won't be too offensive. Um, I'm also really interested to see who they cast in this because, at least in my opinion, this is the best of Wildhorn's scores, and I could see some really great Broadway folks um, singing these really cool songs, James. So who does the Douglas Sills role? Uh, I'm, I would love to see somebody like, um, I, I think, I think, uh, Bryce Pinkham would be really good in that. Um, I, cause he's a, it's a, it's a high tenor part. Um, I w- wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, uh, Jonathan Groff would be great if he <laughs> isn't busy doing stuff. Um, you know, those are those, those guys that have the comic chops that are the higher tenors, um, I could see those. Um, I, I, I personally think I think Bryce would be a, a really good option. But, you know, I don't know that Raul Esparza um, has the the right vocal range um, or like or vocal tenor to it. But I think he could be really fun. Um, but, yeah, I think those would be good. And I'm totally fine with just bringing Terry Mann back to do uh, uh, the Javert tangential part in this one. <laughs> Shavelin or whatever his name was. I mean, it was really it was Javert. It, I mean, he was basically playing yeah. Javert again. Exactly. Well, uh, those are very good choices, but I have the perfect choice. Oh, who? One night only counts it, right? So not a huge commitment of time or anything like that. Justin Trudeau. (laughs) We'd have to, we'd have to have a, uh, a, uh, a tariff war uh, over it to uh, make sure that we weren't sending something back. (laughs) The tickets can be priced in Canadian. Yeah. There you go. All right. (laughs) So what do we have in the recommendation section? All right. I've got a lot. So I'm just going to run through them. The first is uh, from Time Out New York, and it's from Amanda Duarte. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. You saw this one. Um, It is a guide to theater etiquette for the modern Broadway and off-Broadway audience. It is spot on, very funny, and more than a little profane, um, which is just the way I like it. So I'm not going to get into it, but let's just say a lot of her um, instructions can the f word so uh 
there you go. Um, and then I've got three videos. The first is one that I was fortunate enough to see live and in person. And I'm still a little bit shook by it. Um, on Monday night at the Broadway Princess Party, the original singing voice for Anastasia in the film, the great Liz Calloway and the original and current Anastasia on Broadway, Christy Altamir duetted um, on Journey to the Past. And I've said before, I've never seen this movie. I haven't seen the musical. But holy crap, Liz Calloway actually sounds younger than she did 20 years ago when the when the movie originally came out. I don't understand how it is. I know she's got a she's had a great vocal teacher her whole life, you know, um, but they sounded fantastic together. So check that one out. Um, and then we saw we got highlights from the off center production of Songs for a New World with uh, Colin Donnell, Shoshana Bean, Michael Kilgore and Soleil Pfeiffer. That's just running through this weekend. So check out those highlights. And then finally, um, uh, Yael Silver, who's a is a producer um, uh, and, and along with uh, Rob. Robin Karras and Van Dean, who is mentioned in my interview um, with Gene here a little bit later, um, they released a music video for a remake of We Are the World, and it included a lot of Broadway stars, um, including Christy Altamere, Kelly Barrett, Nikki Renee Daniels, Jordan Donica, Justin Guarini, Derek Klenna, Sidney Lucas, Beth Malone, Leslie Margarita, Constantine Maroulis, B.B. Uh, Newworth, or Faye, Anthony Rapp, Courtney Reed, Cheetah Rivera, Kate Rockwell, Jared Spector, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Ephraim Sykes, Jenna Ushkowitz, Ben Vereen and more. Um, I grew up in the era, James, when I remember watching this, the original music video on TV and uh, with all of the extra crappy, crappy news that's been coming out lately. I think uh, this would be a good reminder for people um, just how interconnected we are and how much we owe um, to other members of the human race to uh, to support them rather than to shove them under the bus uh, metaphorically and literally, I guess. So those are some recommendations. We'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Okay, Matt, what else do we have today? All right. So yesterday it was announced that Oscar and Emmy winner Christine Lottie would be playing Gloria Steinem in the previously announced off-Broadway show Gloria, A Life by Emily Mann and directed by Diane Paulus. The show will begin performances at the Daryl Roth Theater on October 2nd. Earlier this week, MCC announced that Dana Delaney, Leah Delaria, and Anna Villafanye would join their upcoming production of Collective Rage, a play in Five Bettys by Jen Silverman. The show will begin performances off-Broadway on August 16th. Next up, we had a whole slew of additional casting for Vassar's Powerhouse season, which uh, is currently running through July 29th. Joining the cast of a number of different shows will be Equity President and former Miss America Kate Schindel, uh, School of Rock star Alex Brightman, Barbara Walsh, and more. If you'd like more information on the complete cast, which has just scads of Broadway folks, um, check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. And then finally, we've previously talked about the Goodspeed musical adaptation of Cyrano, starring Peter Dinklage in the title role alongside film actress Haley Bennett. They've completed their casting, and a the actor playing Christian will be film and TV actor Blake Jenner, who is most known for his role on TV's Glee. Not coincidentally, but just trivia to know his ex-wife melissa benoist is currently playing uh carol king on broadway so uh cyrano will run from august 3rd through september 2nd of this year in chester connecticut at the uh, at goodspeed's terrace theater if you would like more information on any or all of these stories please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com uh you know did you see that uh time out new york article from adam feldman and david cody on the longest running shows on broadway and off broadway I did not, no. 
So uh, I'll have to send that over to you. We'll throw it in the uh, show notes, but he's got a subtitle in here. The show must go on and on and on and on. Mm. And he, here's a guide to the New York City's longest running uh, plays and musicals on and off Broadway. Uh, and Adam teased it on social media and said, I haven't seen three of the, these plays on this list. So I'm trying to figure out which ones Adam oh, has seen. Perfect crime. Yeah, well, <laughs> perfect crime better be up there. I yeah. walked by the theater and almost just, <laughs> I didn't. And I saw that uh, on this list, of course, is Stomp and Blue Man Group. And I keep thinking to myself, aren't yeah. those the same show? No, so. They're not. They're very different. No. But I don't know that I would consider those plays. I don't know. I, I mean, they're, they, are, they are off Broadway, but I wouldn't consider those either plays or musicals. But whatever. They're both fun. I enjoy them both. <laughs> All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. And uh, Matt and I will be back and take you into the weekend tomorrow. All right. So, Gene, you, uh, listeners will remember that last year James talked to you uh, about the New York New Works Theater Festival. For those people who might not have memories long enough to remember uh, a year ago, kind of give everybody just the lay of the land as to how this festival is different than maybe some of the ones that they're more familiar with, uh, like Nymph that is getting ready to start here soon. Well, Nymph is great, first of all. In fact, we actually share the same stage as Nymph. Um, I think we're, it gets to be different. There's great things about a lot of festivals. I mean, this one's really an aggregate of the Broadway community trying to come back together to give a little something back. Um, we try and keep the costs very, very low. Uh, last year, the festival was at the Duke Theater, and it was $665, and everyone got two performances, or most everyone got two performances. And we tried to bring in a lot of industry. Um, every night there's between, say, two or seven panelists, and at the finals, the, the house was filled replete with industry. So I don't know if we're different. We're really just trying to be something that's cost-effective for folks, and um, we try and bring a lot of our friends to come in and, as best we can, mentor the writers. We don't make promises, but we do try and give as much personal attention as we can. There's certainly opportunities to meet everybody and get to know each other and develop relationships, and I think that's where we're, uh, you know, we're just trying to kind of set our mark. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting about your festival is that you're not necessarily looking for full length shows. You're looking for either shorter shows or short snippets of shows that are able to give um, producers or or other types of industry folks a, a, a snippet or an idea as to what a full length finished product could be. Right. That's actually a great point. You know, I think that's one of the reasons I think it was so, um, we were so effective in bringing in industry because most of our shows are full length shows that have been condensed to about 25 minutes. And I think when the investor, or the producer comes for an evening, they know they're going to see five shows that are hopefully investment ready. And the hope is that they'll like two of those, you know, as opposed to, I think for an unknown writer, to ask a, an established investor or producer who they don't know to come and spend three hours in an afternoon, you know, that's a tough sell. But to come say, look, I'm going to be one of five shows that are showing 25 minutes, 
it's a much different it's a much different perspective for the producer that's spending an evening because they know they're going to see a whole variety of what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And last year, I know that um, a handful of your shows have gone on to have a, quite a considerable amount of success in kind of that developmental process because of some connections they made uh, at the festival last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, we had one show that was optioned uh, for a Broadway run by um, the New York Repertory. In fact, uh, another the New York Rep also sponsored a play um, by Katie Schwartz to develop her piece into a full-length piece, and she did that, and they held a full investor reading for her and uh, sponsored that, and I believe she got an agent. Um, there's also another group of ladies, actually, now that I'm thinking about this, uh, producer approached them and optioned three of their projects uh, for a right of first refusal. And so, you know, we've had a whole variety of folks. I mean, we never make promises, but it's a heck of a lot of fun when it actually does work and you see some folks succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And so if there are people out there that are listening, um, the festival is not until the fall, September 4th through October 1st. But the submissions deadline is is coming up here pretty quick, right? Yeah, that's July 15th. So if you are, you know, looking to take your work to the next level or really just put it on for, honestly, the initial catalyst for all this was to make everything cost effective. I had a lot of friends who were entering festivals and it seemed like they were spending thousands of dollars. And I don't know, I just uh, each year I try and do a give back project uh, at the time. And, you know, we try and make everything as cost effective as possible. So for like I said, last year it was $665 for a couple of performances at the Duke. We try and make it so cost isn't an issue, and we give out scholarship. Um, all we care about is good work. Yeah, and and that's what's so hard to do is that people think, oh, just doing a play, we can do this cheaply. But when you start adding in rent and uh, you know technicians and whatever types of union dues that have to go into whether it's musicians or actors, those things really do add up. So being able to do it on a cost-effective way for something that won't put somebody in debt for years to come is a is a huge benefit for someone who's trying to you know start the process of getting a work developed and seen by people who can help further it along in their career yeah and this year we're at um we're at the premier theater at theater row the acorn theater it's 199 seats um we did increase the participation fee a little bit but uh there's no cost to submit and every every submission is reviewed by at least one broadway producer um, so, you know, even if you don't, let's say you don't get in, I mean, we have plenty of notes. There's a whole rubric on what was strong, what was weak, where you can build on. And we don't charge for that because oh, that's, well, that's crazy. Um, well. so yeah, if, if someone submits and they want notes on their show, I mean, send me an email. I'm, I'm more than happy to share. We went to the trouble. So let's, let's make, uh, let's, you know, let's, do as much good as we can. Yeah, there, there are, and people who listen to this show will probably know who I'm referencing. There are plenty of producers who charge a lot for that very service. So uh, it's uh, it's very noble and philanthropic of you to uh, to do it just as a as a kindness to people who've taken the time to submit. Well, thanks. I mean, we're just trying to you know, <laughs> yeah. we're having a lot of fun. I, I will say that's a big that's a big catalyst of what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and I would imagine that because of the you know the the nature of the festival where it's it's fairly cheap it's you know quick shows there's probably a lot of energy and a lot of excitement in the theater for those things especially because it's almost like you feel like 
who knows, this next thing might be something that breaks through and becomes, you know, some big cultural touch point out of this 10 to 25 minute production. Well, even taking it, yes. And I think what's exciting, I mean, looking at our, first of all, I have to give a shout out to the folks who do donate their time because we have a lot of Broadway producers that come and they're not getting paid. Like this is, this is a labor of love. And I mean, when you look at some of the folks, I mean, we have Lauren Clash Schneider who does Broadway at the White House, uh, Ken Waisman, who, you know, he was the original creator of Greece and the original Torch Strong, Torch Strong trilogy, if I could talk. Um, you know, Lucia Kaiser, uh, Larry Freetag of the Freetag family, Van Dean. I mean, Ken Fackler, all these people, Gail Waxenberg, Aaron Craig, Carol Ostro, Paul Slackish, Sean Dow, like all these people. I'm sorry, I'm just going off the top of my head. But, <laughs> you know, they're doing this. Sean flies in from L.A. for this. You know, and he's produced Toy Story 3, The Avengers, Armageddon. Uh, he was a senior executive in the Disney company. Like all these people are doing this because they love theater. Like there's no personal gain. It's not like there's a lot of, hey, you know, Gene's paying us $5,000 to come and review these shows. I mean, all these people are dear friends and they're just trying to make a difference. And that's really kind of what we're all doing. You know, no one's no one's here. There's no agenda other than to enjoy theater. Yeah, that's awesome. So if people want to submit, um, they can go to uh, com. That's N-Y-N-W-T-H-E-A-T-R-E festival.com. All of the information will be there. And then I assume that's the same place if they want to come. Are, are, is the, are the performances open to the public as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we have the performances during the dates that you outlined earlier, I think from September 4th to October 1st. And yeah, I mean, come have a great night of theater. We try and have one musical, one drama, one comedy, one artistic piece on each evening. Um, we go through great pains to select what on paper looks to be awesome. And, <laughs> you know, we, we hope for the best, <laughs> but I mean, so many of the shows, I have to tell you. I love theater and you know, so many of the shows really do have potential and I get to like the people and you know, it, it turns into something that's, I don't know. I, th- I try and make it a great enjoyable evening of theater, but you yeah, know, absolutely. Well, you'll agree. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. And, and congratulations on all the success that not only the festival has had, but the shows and the theater creators that you've been able to uh, put in front of some big industry folks. It's a uh, really an exciting thing. And it's something that, you know, it really is a good bridge to kind of give people an opportunity when they don't have to dive into that really daunting, expensive idea of self-producing something. I think this is a, a great opportunity, and hopefully if listeners are out there, I know, I believe there was at least one person who heard about the uh, the festival last year on this show and, and actually ended up getting a, getting a slot in there, at least, I think, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So, uh, oh, you'll have, so, to, you'll have to tell me offline who that was. I don't, well, I'll get it from James and let you know, because uh, I, someone let us know that they at least submitted and got in or something, but uh, either way, it's a great opportunity. So again, people can go to NYNW Theater Festival dot com for all the information and the deadline is uh coming up in july so they need to submit uh their their proposals or whatever pretty soon so gene thank you so much for taking the time to uh, give us the insight on this and uh, we'll have to check in uh, when it gets a little bit closer to see how all the shows are shaping up thanks matt we really appreciate all your support in this 